You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs. Stephen Simcox here, your host. I'm a producer at 1660 ESPN Central Texas. Also a TCU alum and Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Happy to be joined uh, by my first guest ever on the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review. Thanks for uh, giving me a chance. This is our second episode. And our first guest is another TCU alum. And my pal Matt Jennings used to work full-time in sports media. And then he decided he wanted to make actual money. Um, and he went on and, and did something else, but he still dabbles. He still writes uh, about TCU football quite often and does a great job. You can find him at Matt A. Jennings, and he joins me now. Matt, thanks for, uh, thanks for hopping on the podcast. Absolutely, Stephen. Thanks for having me. It's going to be great. It is, and I, I do want to point out Matt uh, went to the Honors College at TCU, so we're, uh, we're really stepping up our – our academic game from the two seven that I posted in a, in a sports broadcasting <laughs> major. Um, and I wanted to start man with uh, one of your tweets. This is a segment we like to call. I read Matt's tweets. Um, Love it. You, you sent this out after the K state game and it, it kind of comes back to something I was talking about yesterday, but it says at this moment, Gary Patterson and Jerry kill are winning the battle for the soul of the TCU offense over Doug Meacham and Sonny Cumbie. That's bad. So I talked some yesterday about how I, I feel like this offense doesn't really have an identity. In that Texas game, it seemed like they were getting back to air raid, sort of using tempo here and there. It, it felt like Meacham's um, handprint was on it. And then against K-State, they were super conservative and, and sort of felt like they were going back to what they had done the past couple of seasons. And I think it was Spencer Tillman and Tim Brando on that game. And, Matt Tillman kept referencing Sonny Cumbie anytime he talked about like the direction of this offense. So I was just curious, where do you think we stand as far as what they're trying to do scheme wise? And I'm guessing based on that tweet, you're, you're not a fan of the direction this is going. No, no, I'm not. And I, and I don't think a lot of TCU fans are a fan of, of what's going on with the offense at the moment because I think you hit the nail on the head. The, the offense does not have an identity right now. And I don't think that's for a lack of, uh, a lack of coaching smarts or ability on that staff. What I think it comes down to is it's in what I pointed out in that tweet, which is like a fundamental disagreement among the coaching staff of what the offense should be. And I think that's really what it comes from. Um, you see Doug Meacham and, and Sonny Cumbie, who are these like air raid guys who in Sonny's case played in the air raid under Mike Leach. And both of these guys have primarily, if only coached um, air raid offenses over the course of their entire career. Um, and so you know what that offense entails. You want to pace. Uh, you, it's about pace and space. You want to go up tempo and you want to make, uh, give your playmakers the ball in, in the open field and make them uh, force missed tackles and stuff. And that is, and that's the identity that they have always had. And so it's just, 
when you put those two minds together as supposedly the, the architects of the offense, and then you see the product that they put out against Kansas State, which is, a, to your point, a very conservative, you know, running a lot on first down, running, running a quarterback draw on the first play of a two-minute drill <laughs> when you're down by seven. Like, none of that screams Doug Meacham or Sonny Cumbie to me. That, I think, goes back to what we've seen over the last few years, which I think Gary Patterson just – wants to protect his defense and so he wants to play a more ball control style um and so you see those two philosophies really kind of butting heads all the time and it's been to the detriment of the offense for the last now going on three years yeah you hate to like bottle philosophies up or or take a lot out of one play but i feel like if you're going to point out one play last year where uh you, you were just baffled or mind boggled and it sort of pointed to how that offense ran it was probably that weird like jump pass they tried with Sewu on fourth and two or whatever it was against SMU and so far this season it might have been that quarterback draw from the four with like a minute 20 left and they either had one timeout or no timeouts I can't remember but it was it was just uh there's no there's no way other than to say, hey, maybe we just catch them off guard, we catch them napping, and you get a quick first down, and then you reset and get up the ball. Uh, there's no way you see a successful play in that scenario when, when you're setting your offense up like that. But let's get to the personnel, and I agree with you largely. I think the wide receivers have surprised me at how good they've been. I feel like if they can ever kind of decide who they want to actually run the ball with at running back, they're going to be even more successful on the ground. But this O-line is is a mess, and they they got away with it in Austin, but it, it's proven to be a, a big issue against Iowa State and K-State. So how do you see them overcoming that? Because that's one of those position groups that it's just really tough if you're not, if you're not able to block to, uh, to hide that or really do a lot of things outside of your typical, like, screens, draws to, to mitigate the, the issues you have there. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're right. Personnel wise, um, they're in a tough spot. I, I think, I think they have two good offensive linemen. I think, I think Wes Harris is good at left guard. And I think Coy McMillan is good at center. Um, when he's in there, him and him and Esteban Abela have been kind of rotating at that position. Other than those two guys, I really don't, I don't know who else is good on the offensive line. And that's a problem. Um, they, I will say they are fine they're fine to just a little bad in run blocking like they're they can you can make it work but their pass protection is just an unmitigated disaster is is the only way that I can think to describe it through the first few games and I don't you're right I don't know what you do to fix it I think the thing that a lot of people have thrown out is you know making a change at offensive line coach who's uh currently Jared Anderson who's been on staff for 20 plus years at, at TCU and is, is Gary Patterson's dude. Um, you know that he's Gary Patterson's dude because he's coached pretty much every position on the offense besides quarterback in his time at TCU um, without necessarily showing like a ton of aptitude or, or excellence or, or developing a ton of amazing talent at any of them. And I think that just speaks to, you know, he's got a good relationship with Patterson. Patterson trusts him, but I mean, people were calling for his job when he was co-offensive coordinator in 2013 you know, people have been calling for his jobs for seven years. And it, at some point, you know, you, you, you tell them 
I, I think you say like, Hey, look, this has been a great run. Uh, you know, we've got a good relationship. If you want to stay on as an analyst or something, that's fine. But there's, I don't see a, a reasonable uh, argument for, for why you continue to, to, to move this guy around to, well, we just don't have another coach to coach this random position. So we're going to put it, we're going to put him here and we're going to put him at this position group where we're already have holes and we're not <laughs> what we need to be personnel wise anyway. So it, it's a, it, it's a really, tough situation for them in terms of how they fix it um i think i think there's a good chance maybe we see some of the younger guys um they do have some highly rated um for, uh, you know former four-star recruits um at that position group but they would be really really green at that position if they let guys like garrett hayes um and um uh, some of those other young players that they have there um get out there and get some significant snaps but i think you have a large enough sample size with guys like austin meyer um and uh some other guys out there like you, you know what you have at this point so why not um try something else because it's, it's not working at the moment well and at the risk uh, you know a guy that I, I thought of too is is tj storm at the colorado state transfer and I mean, as fans, like the newest thing is always the best thing or the unknown is sort of always intriguing. But I just feel like he started so many games, like surely he couldn't be a downgrade, even if you find out he's he's not an upgrade um, when he gets thrown in the fire. But yeah, you make an interesting point about Jared Anderson and Gary does have a tendency and I think it's an admirable quality in a lot of ways, but he protects his homies at all costs. And I mean, I get it. Like if I had a a job, if I was like the CEO of something and I had a lot of security, I mean, sure. Like I'd, I'd hire you, Matt, to come in and have some cush job that, you know, so we could just like hang out and get paid well. <laughs> but it's, it's a little bit different when you're, when you're running a college football program. Uh, okay. So some good thoughts there. If you're just joining us, well, actually you're not because it's a podcast. I'm thinking about live radio, which I do <laughs> on a daily basis. You're eight minutes into this thing. Uh, I'm talking to Matt Jennings, who writes about TCU football. Uh, you can follow him at Matt A. Jennings. He's a good follow on Twitter. He'll drop a meme on you every once in a while. He'll catch you off guard with some good jokes. Um, and, and we're talking about TCU football, what we've liked and disliked so far. And, and we chatted a little bit about the offense. I want to get into the defense some next, and, and we'll do that coming up on the Lockdown Horn Frogs podcast. I want to talk to you about rockauto.com. There's an ever-increasing number of makes and models of cars. It's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in your traditional, you know, chain storefront. Is it intimidating to you to go to a, an auto parts store and talk to someone there at the counter and they're asking you a lot of questions that you don't really understand about maybe the make and model of your car, uh, what you need, um, what you have, the add-ons, that type of thing. If you don't want to go through that whole hassle, rockauto.com is a great place to go. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control models and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for uh, your classic or a daily driver, everything you need is in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. So go to rockauto.com and see what parts are available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. I want to tell you all about one of our great sponsors, Coors Light. Do you feel like you're always on? Everything is go, go, go. Work, family, balancing everything can be really stressful. It's hard to find that me time, that time to chill, that moment to chill. 
when you're ready to unwind, when you want to have a moment to just hang out and chill, Saturdays are a great time to do that. Watching college football is a, is a great way to, you know, unwind, kind of decompress, take a break from your busy schedule. And, and next time you're sitting back watching a game, you need to grab a cold Coors Light. You know, crack open a Coors Light. Enjoy that mountain cold refreshment that's made to chill. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally a beverage that's made to chill. So when you turn on the TCU game this Saturday, grab a cold Coors Light. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, we're back on the Locked on Horn Frogs podcast. Matt Jennings with me here, and, and we talked about the offense for TCU in the first segment and, and just some of our impressions over the first three games. So, Matt, let me uh, ask you a question that if you knew the answer to, you could make like $6 million a year. How do you <laughs> slow down the big plays on defense right now for TCU? Because as as good as they've been during stretches in these games, uh, there's just these bust plays that, that have been killing them. Uh, wh- what have you been seeing in, in those moments where they give up the 75 or 80-yard run or, or the big pass play uh, that, that's leading to, to some cheap points in some ways. For sure. Yeah, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something at you, and let me tell, you, tell me how you feel about it. I won't say that Gary Patterson doesn't care about those plays, but I think, they, I think he may view them as the cost of doing business. Let me, understand, let me kind of explain what I mean. Gary has never been a bend-don't-break kind of guy on defense he has rather been kind of a break don't bend in that he rather than like letting you move methodically down the field would rather force negative plays force three and outs and 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 get you and get you behind the chains early and so he's super super aggressive in terms of the way he calls defense and you know you talk to some of his former players like the way he studies film is obsessive right and he just is so good at keying in on his opponent's tendencies in terms of play calling on offense that he has a ton of confidence in like every play call that he makes in any given situation based on down and distance and so what all that goes to uh goes to the point of he doesn't hardly ever like play two high safeties because he doesn't think he needs to because the reason you play like cover two man or to leave two uh, leave two safeties back is because you're like those guys are back there to clean up something that other guys miss and Gary to and a lot of this is justified he has this confidence that I'm not going to need those guys back there because I'm going to call the right play and I trust in my coaching that I've put into these players that they're going to, they're going to execute their assignments correctly and be in position to make the play. And I'm going to predict the opposing team's play well enough that they're going to get stopped for a loss or it's going to be a minimal gain. And we're going to be, we're going to get the ball back to the offense quick. And most of the time he's right. The, it was, it's the, it's the like three to five times a game when either his call is wrong or someone's out of position or there's just like an athletic mismatch where, oh, someone catches the ball behind the defense or catches a linebacker out of position and then there's no one back there to make the play. Um, That's fine, I think, as long as those long plays aren't consistently resulting in touchdowns. We saw that against Texas where they had, I think, five of those plays but um, I'm pretty sure none of them ended up scoring points. They may have scored points later on the drive, 
but they didn't uh, they didn't score as like a like it wasn't an 80 yard touchdown play. It was just like a 50 yard run, and then they forced Texas to continue to execute for the rest of the drive. Um, it's the games like against Iowa State this year or against Oklahoma State last year where those big chunk plays result in points fast that puts you in a tough position. So in terms of fixing it. Um, they need to, they, I mean, they can need to not miss assignments. They need to miss assignments less often, but I think Gary is content with um, the way his defense is playing on the whole that he believes that if he only gives up again, like three to five of those a game, but they only get, uh, you know, the opposing team only gains, you know, 200 yards for the whole game. He's content with it. The problem is, as we talked about before, if the offense isn't keeping up its side of the bargain, you only give up three of those plays, but it results in 17 points. Maybe that's enough for the opposing team to, to squeak out a win. Well, and you make a good point. I mean, even some of the – and I don't want to say better defenses because we don't even really know what this defense is yet. It's pretty small sample size. But some of those more dominant defenses uh, early in the Big 12 days, you still saw the big plays over the top because you're playing a lot of man coverage and, you know, it is what it is. Or you're bringing the house on a run play and – somebody whiffs and then there's nobody back there. Uh, and it is, but it is so frustrating to watch. Cause like it, that Texas game is a good example. I think they had them third and 23 backed up and it's like, could you Gary, could you just play zone, man? Like, could you just please <laughs> just play a little prevent in this situation and make them punt? But no, they're, they're playing man up and they hit Jared Wiley on a little crossing pattern and then he breaks the tackle and, takes it 40 yards and you get a new set of downs but that's that's sort of who they are uh so so let's get into the pass rush a little bit and so guys that we want to see more often on the football field uh even though we don't get to see practice and we're just assuming that we're, we're right about this on offense it's for me it's jd spielman matt but on defense my guess is you feel the same way as I'd like to see Marcel Brooks get some more snaps. I mean, you get this yep. guy, it's like a huge coup to get this guy in the off season, a transfer from LSU. And I realize he's not built like a typical defensive end. He's very slender in frame and Gary sort of alluded that he can't, uh, or he doesn't know the playbook fully yet, but could you just put him in the game and some situational pass rush situations to, to get a little bit of a push uh, because up front, they just – they really don't have much there, and, and we're still kind of waiting for, for O'Shawn Mathis to become the guy that, that we think he might he might be or at least be more consistent. Uh, man, I, I'd really love to see Brooks, like, blitz from some different angles or just something where even if he doesn't have a full understanding of, you know, all his responsibilities, you just say, hey, can you, can you just go get the quarterback for us on a third down? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's definitely, um, I think that's something they definitely need to do more of. He's been in there on, you know, a few third downs through the first three games, but it has not been a lot. Um, there were even some rumors last, and to your point, like with the lack of snaps that he's given, there were some rumors last week that he was, you know, questioning whether or not he wanted to even be on the team. Like there's just, you know, it is, I can, I think he is probably as frustrated as a lot of fans are because I think, you know, he comes in to your point as a, as a former five-star recruit, a guy who was expected to be a big piece of the LSU defense this season before he decided to transfer. Um, it seems like that's a pretty plug and play thing. Um, in terms of, 
I, I do think he needs to get on the field more. I think they need to create those opportunities for him, even if it's like keeping things super simple and just letting him get after the quarterback, um, you know, whatever that looks like. I, I, I know size is a big deal for him I don't, uh, in, in terms of he's not your prototypical um, – he's not your prototypical um, defensive end sitting there. I think he's sitting, uh, he's, he's listed at 205 right now, which is undersized um, for sure. But that defensive end spot in, T in Gary's defense is really more of an outside linebacker position anyway. Like it, it resembles more like the edge rusher in a three, four than the defensive end in a four, three, where you, you need a guy who's like 250 pounds plus, um, and his speed can be an asset as well, you know, because uh, because of his size and his ability and his quickness and his ability to get around some of those bigger offensive tackles. So, yeah, I think they need to find a way to get him on the field. Um, and, uh, you know, even, you know, even if it means beefing up the other three positions on the defensive line when he's out there to kind of account for, you know, maybe his his lack of ability to kind of be consistent against the run. But yeah, they need something in the pass rush, and I don't know what it is. I've I've kind of liked what I've seen from Kari Coleman in a small sample size. Um, uh, now they've put him out there, the freshman. I think he's he's got some potential as well. Um, but yeah, really, since uh, you you figured losing a couple NFL draft picks a couple years ago, and Ben Banigou and L.J. Collier was going to hurt you, and I I don't think anybody had any idea that they were really going to be this lost without this is the first you know these last couple of years uh is the first time in a while they haven't had really any answers to that position because they had banigu they had uh before that they had a, a, like a nice rotation of guys with you know josh caraway and james mcfarland and 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 uh before that they had Devonte fields and stanton maponga like they had they've had dudes at that position and they don't have any dudes at that position right now and they they need some and so i don't know what that looks like i don't know if if Kari coleman's going to be that guy if marcel brooks um even in a limited capacity can be that dude but they need it from somewhere um, because I think to, you know, to go back to your original question, which is like the, the thing with the big plays, you know, part of that is the fact that quarterbacks have not had to be rushed in their decision-making and rushed in their passes at all. Um, they've had plenty of time back there in the pocket. If they can find some way to kind of affect the quarterback just a little bit, um, maybe you force them into some more mistakes or force them to get the ball out of their hands before, um, before they can make the right read and, and reel off those big plays. Coming up, I got a few more questions for Matt. This is the Locked On Horn Frogs podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. Final segment of the Locked On Horn Frogs podcast. I encourage you, please rate and review me. Give me five stars. Subscribe to the podcast. Because if you don't, then I'm going to have to call my father and explain to him how to download the podcast app on his phone and how to rate and review me. And I don't want to embarrass him. Like my dad, he wanted his son to have an honest job, probably work a trade, work with his hands. And instead, I'm going to have to call him on the phone and say, hey, dad, could you subscribe to my podcast? Could you... <laughs> could you rate and review me so I can send my kids to Texas Christian university like you did <laughs> without the debt that I accumulated while I was there. <laughs> so please subscribe. I'm talking to Matt Jennings. Uh, you know that because again, I did a little live radio trick there. You didn't just get in your car and turn on your podcast and jump to the 21 minute mark. You've been listening for a long time. 
but I wanted to ask Matt a few more questions. By the way, tomorrow I'm going to do something that no one's ever done. I'm going to do a segment called Big 12 Power Rankings. It's a, it's a new thing that I invented and thought of on my own. I'm going to trademark it. This sounds, this sounds innovative and I'm interested to hear more. Please tell me more. And then on Thursday, I'm going to do a segment called is Texas back. So I'm just really knocking the, the creativity portion out of the park. That alone should lead you to giving me a five-star review. So I don't have to message Matt's family on Facebook and say, Hey, could you please listen to my podcast and, and rate it? But before you go, Matt, uh, just sort of a, a random question for you. Who is pleasantly – can you give me a player who sort of pleasantly surprised you through the first couple games? Because mine – I'm going to go first so I can steal this one. If, <laughs> if this one. Mine's Quentin Johnston. And I discussed it a little bit yesterday, but I, I got to cover Quentin in high school, and I thought he could eventually become a really good player. I didn't think he was going to be an immediate contributor, so he's – exceeded my expectations on that front already um is is it him is there anyone else that sort of just caught your eye that you didn't really have on your radar before the season yeah johnson's a great pick so thanks for stealing that one no but noah daniels noah daniels looks great man um missed last season with an injury and um you know was expected to be like the third corner in the rotation last year behind uh, behind um, Julius uh, uh, and and Jeff Gladney, um, who had made a nice play for the Vikings today against the Falcons. Anyways, but um, but no, Noah looks really really good. Um, you know they they've typically needed one lockdown corner who they can really like reliably count on to take care of the number one receiver for the other team, and he's been great. He's been the number one. Ra- I think Pro Football Focus has like the number one rated corner in the big 12 one of the top five in the country it looks great and he's got great size and great speed and the he is carrying on a story tradition of great cornerback play in gary's defenses so good for him good on noah he's my guy do you have a prediction for saturday tc oklahoma i don't know how much you've seen of the sooners this year uh been sort of a rocky road with with rattler at qb what are your thoughts on on this matchup Oh, I've, I've so loved watching Oklahoma this year because they're just, they are, they are so unpredictable this year, which is so unlike what they've been under Lincoln Riley. Um, He is, he is, I I think Spencer Rattler is going to be good. Let me get that out of the way right now. I think he is, he's a phenomenal talent. And I think in the long run, he's going to be good, but I think he does not benefit from years of starting experience like every one of Lincoln Riley's starting quarterbacks before now um and I think it shows and so he's making some some freshman mistakes um and I think that's something that TCU if they're gonna try and stay in this game needs to capitalize on because let's be let's be real for a second Lincoln Riley has he is the only coach I think I tweeted this last year during the game Lincoln Ryan is the only offensive coach that I've seen just like consistently dumbfound Gary Patterson, just coach circles around him, around his defense, uh, like every single year. Like since Lincoln Riley got there in 2015, um, pretty much every single game that they have played, his offense has just 
has has blown by the TCU defense and they need to do something. Last year, you know, the score looked closer because TCU got some really, really timely turnovers. And I think that's a recipe again this year, given how Spencer Rattler has had trouble hanging onto the ball a couple in a couple instances. If they can force him into some bad decisions and his ball security hasn't been great. Um, if they can get the ball back for the offense and give them a short field a couple of times, then I think that's the recipe for keeping the game close for sure. I hope to talk to Matt Jennings every week. Hopefully we'll have this in your podcast feed on Mondays. I'm Stephen Simcox. You can follow me at Simcox Stephen. You can also follow the show Twitter account at LockedOnTCU. You can email me at LockedOnTCU.gmail.com at gmail.com. LockedOnTCU at gmail.com is what it is. And Matt is at Matt A. Jennings on Twitter. And Coach Patterson, if you're listening, uh, he said that Lincoln Riley coached circles around you. So the account to block is at Matt A. Jennings. I'm surprised I haven't gotten blocked yet to this point. Um, I'm too. You can still see his tweets. That's amazing. I can still see his tweets. He he unfollowed me for a long time when I was off the beat. And now I have, I've gotten a refollow because I've been tweeting so much and, and, and writing a couple of things. Um, so got to, you know, got to stay on my toes because the, the, the man in Fort is watching, I guess. Wow, he unfollowed you and followed you again. So that means Gary's looked at your Twitter account at least three times. <laughs> That's kind of amazing. High honors. Matt, thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate you. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Locked on Horn Frogs podcast, the first ever edition of Big 12 Power Rankings in the history of the world. Tomorrow, Locked on Horn Frogs, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.